Are you a stressed working woman striving for satisfaction in life and frustrated you aren't finding it? The Contentment Matters podcast is for you. A satisfied life can be achieved by a life surrendered to God and living a life of humility, trust, and peace while doing the plan God has for you. Let's dive into today's contentment principles for living a satisfied Christian life. Welcome, ladies, to the Contentment Matters podcast. Today, I have my uh, good friend of mine, Anita Peluso, uh, which I knew from college, and we just recently got reconnected. And um, I just want to tell you a little bit of how we got to this point and why we are having this conversation. Um, And so I had put this post um, on Facebook and uh, Instagram, and it is from quoting from uh, from Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20, behold, what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment and all the toil, which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. And in my post, what I asked was if any of you accept the lot that you have in life, do you rejoice in the work? If you do, that is a gift from God. When you are experiencing the work that God has given, you experience God occupied joy in your heart. This is contentment. If you're still searching for that contentment and then you know, I tell you, you know, join the podcast, which I'm glad you're here. So um, here I am with my friend, Anita, and she is going to share a little bit. Hi, Anita. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. Glad you're here. And thank you for being so willing to to be on this first edition of the podcast where I have an interview. So, and I think for <laughs> for being so gracious and uh, just uh, going along with all my bumps in the road as I'm working through this. And, you know, it's okay. You know, we'll get there and I'll learn and I'll do better the next time. So, so Anita, tell um, the ladies and anybody else who's listening, if there's guys listening, that's great too. But um, tell us a little about who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, that is an interesting question uh, that I always find a challenge to answer because people often expect, well, I'm a mom of three and my kids are grown and my work at such and such and I do all these things. Um, And that's probably why I think uh, Cindy and I started talking about it is that my life does not fit any of those boxes because uh, my husband and I were not able to have children. I don't have a job. and so when people ask me, what do you do? I say, um, just living life. I don't know. <laughs> what should I be doing? Yeah. So um, I think uh, the short story is that uh, people just want statistics or they want something that they can connect with. So um, who I am and what I do, I, I grew up a Midwest farmer's daughter. I went to college, which is where Cindy and I met. Yeah. Um, I moved to Seattle after graduation, married a software engineer, um, and life just happened. Um, recently, I graduated with a master's degree in biblical studies, Old Testament, 
I shut down my teeny tiny quilting business and um, we joined a church that from the outside looks like, why are you here? But yet God wants us here. So I don't know. That's what I'm doing. Living life. Maybe that's where some of your ministry is, right? Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, and I, you didn't bring up your chickens. Oh yes. I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> one of the benefits of the pandemic is that we were able to move out of the city, um, onto two and a half acres and we now have chickens. We have, um, four ducks and seven chickens and they keep me busy. So I'm a chicken farmer, I guess, more or less. <laughs> um, I admire you because I would not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're almost therapy chickens, seriously. Well, yeah, you have some, you have some very cute pictures of them on on uh, on social media, and so um, they have personalities and they listen to me talk, and that's it's all good. That's neat. Well, maybe you can teach them some of the Old Testament Hebrew, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad idea. I could practice reading. You could, because they're they're a willing audience, right? They'll just that's right. <laughs> so. So we got here because I put this post out and you commented on it. And then we went back and forth and had a little bit of a discussion. And I just said, you know what? I think maybe if you're willing, you could come on my podcast and, you know, we could talk about it. And because maybe there's other ladies who are experiencing the same thing too. So um, let's first talk about um, what we think a lot is. What's a lot? I mean, do you have ideas? I mean, to me, I think it's, you know, what is it you've been given in life? You know, where you're at, your, your job, your, you know, it could be marital status if you have children or not. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, that? Like where you live. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of people it's, um, I think the lot in, um, Ecclesiastes that actually talked about what God has given, which could include the choices that you make how you view how God works in your life. But um, certainly the family you're born into is not your choice. Um, Where do you go to school is, you know, you choose where you want to go to school, but sometimes you don't get to choose Um, your health. You can sort of choose, but not choose. I mean, there's a lot of stuff just happens in life and you don't have a choice. So um, you could try to force uh, the things that you want in your life. But, um, as believers, you know, I don't think we want to do that. We want to be open to where God's leading us. Right. Um, so in that respect of Ecclesiastes, our lot is where he leads us yeah. in nice. life. So it could be married, single children, no children, healthy, not healthy. You know, I, there's right. a myriad of things that make up yeah. everybody's yeah. life. Yeah, definitely. So, how have you or your friends who are in these different lots seen how others respond to your lot? I mean, you, I know in your, your word document, when you sent it to me, I mean, you had a lot of examples, but you know, we don't have to go through all of them, but maybe pick a couple of them (laughs) and explain how you've seen in your life and responding to, you know, you and your lot and not having any children and how others responded to you and how they've responded to your friends that you've you know, highlighted for me. Yeah. Um, personally, because we weren't able to have children, um, that has been a difficult aspect in our life. 
we were once a part of a church where having a family was almost um, idolized. And so everyone kept asking us, so when are you two going to have kids? Oh, you don't have kids yet? Well, you can do this. You can do X, Y, Z, or, you know, you can always adopt or um, I have a really good doctor or, you know, they, people are always throwing out ideas about how you should be able to get kids. Um, we, we investigated some of those roads and some of them, uh, frankly, were not appealing to me. Uh, if anyone has ever fit, visited a fertility clinic, I couldn't go back a second time. That yes. was it. I just couldn't. Um, that's not for everybody. And some people have done well with that choice. Um, I just couldn't do it. Uh, we were well, never on the same expensive page. too, right? That's what yes. I heard, right? Yes. And, you and go expensive. down the road of in vitro fertilization, right? It's just yeah. it's really, really expensive. And it's very expensive. And you can only do it so many times. And um, it's limited. Right. So I, I've known people that have uh, pushed it to the limit or, you know, decided halfway through that they can do it anymore. So, mm. yeah. And then adoption, we, we just, my husband and I were never quite on the same page. Um, when I was interested, he wasn't, when he was interested, I wasn't. So, and I don't think you can take, um, parenting single-handedly. You have to be both on the same page to address that. So, yep, definitely. So I think it was just God's way of saying, this is not my plan for you, but, mm -hmm. uh, that's hard for other people to accept sometimes because they want our life to look like their lives. So, well, and then they don't have a specific connection with you that they can identify with, you know, and it's hard for them. Oh, well, you, you know, and they're talking about all of their kids and mm -hmm. you don't have any kids. And so they don't know how quite to act. Right. So, um, and I think you had a friend that had a similar I, experience. Um, well, that, I, right? as um, far as kids and how the church was kind of putting her in a specific spot. Yeah. I had a, I have a friend who's a single mom. Uh, she, uh, faced divorce, not by her choice. Um, she really struggled to find a way to get plugged into church because when she wanted to join a home group, um, they first put her in a singles group because, well, she wasn't married. So why right. would she want to be in a marriage group? Um, but she has kids, so she has to take care of her kids and anything she does outside of the home, she's got to find a babysitter when they're small. I think they're old enough now that they could probably stay home alone. But, um, so then she went to, uh, I don't know if she went to a different church. She, she tried another home group, uh, and they put her in a single mom's group. And she's like, I don't want to be around other single moms. We're all struggling with the same thing. I want to be about, I want to be near somebody who has a family or a, a single or somebody that's different from me. So I can experience something different than what my daily life is like. So she just really had a hard time because it was being a single mom, she didn't want to be reminded of her, where she was at. She wanted to, um, experience all of life Yeah. Um, outside of her single mom duties. Yeah. Well, and then being in a group like that too, then the kids could all play together. Right. So if she's in a group with, you know, other married couples, then she can, the kids can all play. She can connect with the other women, but not okay. necessarily, you know, so that if she's in a single group, then yeah, know, he has to go at it alone, like you said, and there's some answers. Yeah. So that's just not, yeah, it's just not doable. I mean, I know my yeah. um, 
my daughter and their family, they are part of a group and all those kids, they all love and play with each other. You know, mm -hmm. there's some of their whole core group. So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, those groups can become, you know, for your family, it's a, not a connection just for you, but it's a connection for the kids as well. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I can see why your friend, that was just really a hard fit um, mm -hmm. for her. Yeah. Cause she always had to make it, you know, cause maybe, you know, maybe that week finances were tight and then you've got to try to figure out, mm -hmm. okay, well, I can't go cause I can't have, I don't have, you know, enough money this week to pay my bills and have somebody watch my kids so I can, mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? It just, yeah, no, it there's just, a lot of factors that right. weren't considered. So what are some biblical examples of others not accepting their lot? You know, with some of your biblical studies, do you have any examples that you can share? Uh, well, the first, <laughs> the first example of someone who didn't accept their lot is Abraham and Sarah, because mm. they were promised, um, an heir and it wasn't happening in the timing that they saw. So they had to go find their own. They wanted to find their own way to make it happen. Right. But, so they're trying to do their plan instead of God's plan. Right. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately those the children of all of those, those two original children are all the nations that are at each other's, you know, throats today, mm -hmm. you know, in the Middle East, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, some examples of people who have in the Bible accepted their lot. Um, one was uh, Hannah really struck me because uh, when I was studying through her synopsis, um, she was being, uh, mistreated by so she was married to a man who had two wives and so the other wife was mistreating her and so she was um just really upset about the whole thing because she didn't have any children and the second wife had all the children so uh she was weeping one day and her husband says is is not i can't remember how it goes am i not more to you than uh seven sons or something like that so he's essentially saying um, is my marriage, is that my marriage to you only worth the amount of children that you have? Yeah. And so then she went to the temple and was praying to the Lord and pouring her heart out to him. And she said that if you let me have a, a son, I will send him back to you and, and place him back into the temple and he'll be, he'll serve you for all of his life. So, um, she got her wish, she got a son, but then she gave him up for the temple. So she was essentially, uh, mother or childless again, because she had right. given him up. So she had right. none of the rights of a, a mother. Yeah. She didn't, she gave her son away. So, um, so she just finally accepted her lot. I think in the respect that she was willing to give up the one thing that she wanted the most. Mm. Um, yeah. That's neat. And I don't remember, did she end up, I think did she ended up having more children, did she or no, or does, I don't remember. I, yeah, I don't, I just was really struck with how, um, yeah, she gave up the, you know, the releasing of her desires for what God had desired for her. So, yeah. Yeah. And the priest thought that maybe she was drunk because she was like <laughs> praying out loud, kind of out loud yeah. lips were moving and she's like, no, you don't understand. I'm yeah. Like, you know, yeah. my heart is being poured out because I'm without child. And I mean, and in, you know, in the old Testament times, um, having children, you know, that was a way, you know, at that time, it was a status thing. Yeah, yeah. Status thing. And of course, you know, her comment 
was very true about, am I not worth to you more than seven sons? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think over time, it seems like we've still carried some of that, that, mm -hmm. I mean, not that it, you had to specifically have sons, but you know, yeah. but that, you know, you have to get married and you have to have children. Yeah. You know? And possibly the half a dog or, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, whatever it is. You have to have chickens. Five kids and a dog and a cat and, you know, um, seven chickens and four ducks. <laughs> exactly. So how has your contentment um, and your friend's contentment been affected by how others respond to your lot? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I really struggled with it at the beginning, but um, I think over time I can see that the difficulties that I've experienced in life have driven me to seek the Lord more. So my relationship with him has grown deeper. Um, I've learned how to be thankful for my lot or what I've been given. Um, yeah, my, my relationship with God has just, I feel like it's been richer because I've had to work through the questions mm -hmm. of why, why me, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard other people answer that with, you know, we should say, why not me, you know, cause God chose yeah. us for something to do something special. And, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe this is something you can help other women with too, as <laughs> well, you know? Um, so what have you done? And I think you kind of answered this a little bit, you know, in your walk with, with God, but to be at peace with that, you know, that effect on your lot, you know, when the, these other people are saying these things and asking questions of you and, mm -hmm. um, how, what have you done to, to be more at peace with that? Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think we should diminish the emotion that goes along with feeling different. Um, but it's, all of that has forced me to go to scripture. And one of, I think one of my life verses is Hebrews 12, one through three, that it tells us that we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, um, right. who for the joy before him um, endured the cross and scorned his shame. And then um, it goes on to compare, you know, we haven't suffered that much and he right. did it for us. So right. um, yeah, that's a great, uh, I think, uh, I think God, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit knows the, the difficulties that we've had and we can just go straight to him and we just need to look to him. One of the um, examples of uh, Peter walking on the water, I know this is like an, <clears throat> an overdone probably example, but as soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus, as soon as Peter stopped looking at him, then <clears throat> he started sinking because he saw all of the challenges the waves around him so yeah that's I very true that's really i mean important. when we start looking at you know or looking at ourselves right looking at ourselves and what was me or looking at all of our problems all around us instead of turning and redirecting that back to god maybe it is asking the questions why me and and having a conversation with the lord right and then yeah. digging into scripture, just like mm -hmm. you're talking about doing. I mean, I know for me in the last um, few years and after my job changed, that was, I really treasure that time that I have mm -hmm. uh, in, in scripture. And for, since I was working from home, you know, and then all through the mm -hmm. pandemic stuff, I was working from home. I'd spend a good hour in the morning, you know, spending, mm -hmm. reading God's word, digging into it, prayer journaling. And it's just 
it becomes this very sweet time of spending that time with the Lord. And so, um, yeah, that's neat that you've been able to do that. Yeah. I think it also, um, it redirects us to see our experience in life in a different way. Mm -hmm. One of the things as a, as a young, I became a Christian when I was 16, when I was really young, that was the era of, you have to have this dramatic life change to be a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know, like (laughs) I was a drug addict and now I'm no longer a drug addict. Well, I had no such experience when I became a Christian. I just knew something was different and I didn't even really understand what the gospel is all about. I just knew that I was fed up with life and I wanted, I didn't want my life anymore. And I just told God he could have it. And I just thought, what a lame, um, what a lame uh, testimony that I have. And then I realized years later, after just spending more time in the word and with God and trying to understand his plan is that it's not a lame testimony because all it takes is a mustard seed of faith. Right. And he hears that and he takes, takes that as enough. So right. um, it's just a testimony of God meeting you where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at. God's going to be there. I think there's a verse that says some something like, um, as high as the heavens and you're still there, or as deep as the deep and you're still there. It's mm-hmm. like you can't, God's you, you can't yeah. be too far away from God. He's always going to be there. So um, I just really now I'm grateful for my testimony because uh, it just shows that it, it doesn't matter where you're at. You and know. it's and it, yeah, and I've always thought that too because I mean I have a what I call boring testimony as well. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's not like my husband's testimony as, you know, his is is really this cool, you know, neat thing and some not so neat things that happened in his life. And mine was, you know, reading some Bible verses for, uh, it was a girl's program, you know, and, uh, kind of like a wanna, but it was for, for girls. And, and I just read those scripture verses because I was trying to get my award. Right. And I just, I prayed the prayer and I was like, well, this is cool. This is what I'm going to do. Cause I'm that type of a person. I'm just <laughs> to do things and I just move forward. And that's what I did. But, you know, each person who accepts Christ, I mean, that's another person, you know, that, that the Lord died, his son died for you. Mm-hmm. Me, right. And it doesn't matter how we got there. It's just that we got there. Yeah. Right. And he loves our, he loves people. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so what advice would you give other ladies who have been in your situation or your friend's situation on how to deal with other perceptions of you or their lot, you know, your lot or their lot? Yeah. Uh, I think, um, pouring out your heart to the Lord, telling him how you feel, nothing is too heavy or shocking to him um and i know it's hard in the moment sometimes when you're in the middle of the emotions but um not taking it personally when people don't get it because um i mean it's taken me years to get to this point because it's kind of offensive when people want you to be different um (laughs) sometimes like yeah yeah is my life not good enough (laughs) yeah right yeah exactly um, just understanding that, uh, that, uh, they don't understand your situation. Probably. Um, if you can, um, get to a place where 
where it's, I know in the middle of it, it's really hard, but get come grow to a place where you can share what you've been through or how you feel about your situation or, you know, it can come become your testimony. I think eventually part of your testimony. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people just can't understand or they can't identify with it. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, Hey, I'm married. I have two children and how come you don't have any, you know, and it's just like, it's an expectation. Right. And so, yeah, there's just not yeah, this. Well, go, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things I try not to do is um, ask people what their marital status is, ask people how their kids are or how many kids they have or what their job is, because all of those are, they can be trigger points. So find different questions like, how's your week going? Um, and then somebody can say, oh man, I've had a really rough, rough week at work. And then you're like, oh, I'm sorry. What, what kind of work do you do? You know, you can let them lead you into what they want you to know rather than um, bugging people. <laughs> it kind of right. feels like bugging. We went to a church once where uh, we were just visiting. We were visitors. We didn't know anybody. My husband and I we were sitting in the middle of church before service and my back was turned and someone was behind me, a woman, and I assume her husband. And she just blurted out, do you have any kids? <laughs> and she hadn't even like, faced me, asked my name or how I was doing or anything. She just wanted to know if I had any kids. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> why should you, why should I tell you if I do or not? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's a little uncomfortable. No concern for me <laughs> as a person. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the, I think um, for people who are in a situation where their life is different is one, just um, pour your heart out to the Lord Two, understand that not everyone else understands and that eventually um when you get to a place where you can help people explain you can help people explain and then to the people on the outside whose life is different don't ask trigger questions you know find um ask more i don't know benign questions like you know how you doing (laughs) or (laughs) i don't know just start a conversation on safe ground rather than just assuming that um kids marital status job whatever is Cause it's not always safe for everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Something like, you know, what's your typical day look like, mm-hmm. you know, cause then that they could say, well, you know, I go out and feed my chickens and talk to my ducks. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than if, you know, if they say, oh, well, I work full time or part-time or whatever, you know, then mm-hmm. you could, oh, really? That sounds like a fun. How long have you been doing that? Right. So it just, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of trying to find questions or a way to say it so that it doesn't put people in an awkward position and you may not even know that they don't have any children. Right. Yeah. It's letting, yeah. Asking questions that let um, the other person reveal what they want you that want you to know about them. So right. rather than forcing them to reveal, Oh, we don't have kids. Well, how come you don't have kids? Oh, well, we weren't able to have kids or, or I have friends who've lost um, a child. Then they have to explain, well, I had a child, but now I don't. Well, how did right. that happen? You know, there's a lot of emotion involved right. in all of that. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of emotion. I mean, I know, I understand that there are certain circumstances where it would, it's necessary to have a women's only group or a men's only group. But I think if the church is supposed to be a family, then we should um, fellowship as a family. We should Bible do Bible study as a family. We should 
go to church as a family. I, I think I would just like to see more um, of the attitude that we're all a family. And whether we're single, married, kids, right. widowed, it doesn't matter. We're yeah. all a family. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's really great advice. I mean, our, um, and it's interesting that you say that because um, our, we have, a, we call them connection groups at my church. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just started out with, hey, there's one in the library, there's one in the fireside room, one's in this room, this one's studying this, one's, one's studying that. And then at some point we switched to, we talk about the sermon. And so mm-hmm. we have like all these questions to follow up on the sermon. That's a good thing because now you've, you've heard it mm-hmm. and then you kind of read it and talk about it as a group. And so it mm-hmm. kind of sticks in your head a lot more. But the neat thing about our group is we have people in our group from, you know, like, um, I'd say late 20, early 30, all the way up to somebody who's, I think, 75, 80. Yeah. And and then we have people who are married, single, divorced, um, you know, without children, with children, Mm -hmm. whatever. And so, I mean, I think your idea is spot on. I think Mm -hmm. it's a great great idea. Um, one thing that I was thinking about when you asked me this question, I was just, you know, we really need to love on people who are in the church and love mm-hmm. them for who they are and the lot they're in and support them instead yeah. of, uh, you know, um, I don't know if I want to say judging them, but it's expecting them to be like you and why can't mm-hmm. they be like you? And you know, and, and maybe not try to be so helpful with here's how you find a child, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, but um, one verse that came to my mind as I was thinking about this was love one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor. And that's a Romans 12, 10. And I just think we really need to love on all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in in our church family, right? And outdo outdo our love for them by honoring them in whatever mm-hmm. their lot is. Because, you know, this is how, like you said, it can be either choice of you made, or it can be, um, you know, that got you in this place. But I mean, this is the path that God is, is putting you on. And rather than trying to rebel and go the other way, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to accept it and to be, mm-hmm. then you can be content in the path that he's put you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been so fun reconnecting with you. <laughs> I mean, it's been what, like 36 years? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> thankful to, you know, to have um, Zoom and technology that we can reconnect after all this time. <laughs> I mean, we've been kind of just messaging back and forth, you know, just posts here and there on, on, yeah. on Facebook or Instagram. But um, where can our listeners connect with you online? Well, uh, the only social media that I have right now is Instagram, and it's just my name, Anita M. S. N. Marie Peluso. So you can look for me there if you want to see more about our ducks and chickens and an occasional crafty thing that I'm doing. All right. And sometimes you share scripture, too. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I do. Um, your love of the Old Testament, hits me. you know, you know, yeah, love the Old Testament. Yeah, well, it's been such a an honor that you've let me spend this time with you and to get reconnected. And I'm just so thankful for you being willing to be on the Contentment Matters podcast. 
Thank you. Ladies, after we finished up the conversation with Anita, um, there was a couple things that uh, we left out. So, and part of that was, I just need to be a little bit more prepared. This is my first interview. So just give me a little grace on that. But um, one, a couple of the things that um, Anita had printed out to me or emailed to me before we had this conversation that I thought were just um, insightful as well. So um, when she was talking about um, Hannah and being tormented by the other wife and how she bore a son, but yet she ended up giving him back to the Lord. And that, uh, uh, that in that, by, you know, having that son and then giving them back, that was just, you know, a sacrifice for her, but yet she was still um, content because she did what the Lord and she did what she promised the Lord that she would do. Now, David, uh, King David in Psalm 17, he's being tormented by his adversaries. In the midst of that torment, he runs to the Lord. And um, in that, he concludes that his torment tormentors have already received their portion in earthly goods. And so when he turns his heart to God, he determines that all he needs to do is um, behold the face of the Lord um, I'll, I'll read the verse here. It's in Psalm 17, 15. I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. He realized that it didn't matter what he was going through um, and whatever it was that his tormentors had that he didn't have, he could um, be satisfied just because he had the Lord and he um, would behold his face and have a righteous um, self about him because he had the Lord. That's all he really needed. And um, I love this quote um, as she wrote this out. It just really stuck out to me. And as I read the quote, I just want to, um, before I do that, I want to explain when we um, look at God's character, we know from Exodus 34, 6, that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And that those words are repeated throughout scripture in many different places, but this is the quote she wrote or she wrote that I'm quoting her because it is just, just really, really good. What this life gives us is temporary. When we hold loosely the things of this physical life and put our hope and trust in God and behold his character, we will be satisfied. So we have to hold a lot of these things that um, we've been given in our lot. They may not be exactly what we had hoped for or wished for, but we need to hold them loosely and that our most um, satisfaction comes from putting our hope and trust in God and his character. And, and then as she talked about that too, um, which I think that was a really great quote, hopefully, hopefully you enjoy, you agree with me on that. But um, I asked her a question and I love this other quote too, that I wanted to make sure I put it in there as well, or tell, tell you about it now is, um, you know, I asked the question of what have you or your friends done to be at peace with that, with that effect on your lot and contentment. So when you have these people who are, um, you know, not um, speaking to you in a way that um, it's hard, right? It's hard because you are going through something totally different and they have this other expectation of you or what your life should like, um, how can you have that peace? And um, 
she had brought up to me about Proverbs in, uh, in Proverbs, when a father's instruction to his son also gives us two ways to look at life. We can follow the way of wisdom or we can chase after folly. And in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then the father in Proverbs 3 advises the son to remember his teaching so that for the length of days and years of life, peace will be added to you. There is peace when we follow God's instruction. So um, that is uh, kind of an extra summary um, of what uh, some things that Anita had uh, sent to me and I did not get them included in the podcast as um, as it would have been great to do. Anyway, I just hope you enjoyed this discussion today that we had with Anita. And um, I just uh, hope that this is helpful for any of you out there who have dealt with this and how you can have peace instead. Many blessings to you, friends. Hope you have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Contentment Matters. You can get my guide for 25 ways to contentment and satisfaction by going to my website, godsplanguidedsteps.com, or click the link in the show notes. You can live the satisfied Christian life you desire when your entire focus is on God and the plan He has for you. He loves you and considers you a precious gift. Remember, your contentment matters because you matter.